Today uh, is our final Sunday in our series, All I Ever Wanted, as we journey through what I think is uh, the greatest chapter in the Bible. There's some uh, controversy about that, but it's at least an opinion. Uh, Romans chapter 8, we finish up today. Quick review, first week we looked uh, at Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's huge. Because we all still struggle with sin, we all still have a part of us that wants to wander and do whatever I feel like doing at the time, and Jesus has paid the debt. He washed our sin debt clean, past, present, future, and then he provides the power to live in freedom through the Holy Spirit, which resides right in each and every one of his children's lives, living inside of us. Week number two, we discovered that all followers of King Jesus are adopted members into his royal family. Don't let that just pass. We are members of his royal family. We are heirs, Romans 8, 17. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, meaning we have all the privileges and all the rights of illegally adopted members of the royal family. Meaning when you got trouble, when you got difficulty, when you have a need, we can boldly and confidently run to Jesus. As one of his chosen children, adopted members of his family, and he'll give us the grace and the mercy and the wisdom and the peace to deal with whatever we're facing in our times of need. Week three. Uh, Romans 8, 17 to 25, uh, we saw that God is more concerned with molding our character than in making us comfortable. God's love for us is strong and perfecting, but it's never a pampering love. We found out there are five roots of trouble, uh, five common causes of pain and suffering that we all endure at times. Uh, here are the five. We all live on a fallen planet. We live in fallen bodies. We live among fallen people. We have an enemy who hates us. But we have a God and his son Jesus who loves us. Last week, week number four, we saw that much of the big picture that God is painting is beyond our puny mind's ability to comprehend. The problem is not with God's good plan. The problem is with our limited perspective. Our awesome God promises, listen, to recycle evil into his good plan. He's going to recycle all the evil and the awful stuff in this world into his good plan. God's good is often not easy, comfortable, or fun. But he uses the hard times to make us more and more like his son Jesus. Today, week number five, uh, we're going to discover that Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die than live without us. Let that soak in for a minute. Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die than live without you, than live without me. That, that's powerful. Would you please stand with me if you're able? We're going to read out loud together starting in verse 31. Romans chapter 8, we'll read down through the end of the chapter. You ready? Read with me, please. What then shall we say 
in response to these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to confess, those are some of the most amazing verses in all of your book. So thank you for the gift of the eighth chapter of Romans. It's alive. It's powerful, it's filled with hope and truth and facts that we need to learn and hold on to. Especially as we navigate the storms of this life. Lord, would you help us to just begin to comprehend your agape, your love? I, I suspect, Lord, that we, we don't really fully get it. But I'm praying that today as we dig into your word, that your children here and your church and those watching online, Lord, will begin to feel and understand and really believe how much we're loved. I want to pray especially for those who don't feel that way right now. I suspect there are many uh, watching online and here in the building who don't feel accepted, don't feel safe, don't feel secure. We're asking that your inspired word would bring clarity. Lord, would it bring confidence and hope? No matter what valley we're traveling through today, Lord, I pray that your word would be alive to us. Pause now just for a few moments. We want to pray for some members here in the church family. I want to pray for uh, my friends Raquel and Chris and uh, my friend Joyce as they continue treatments. I pray for Steve and I pray for Keith and Greg as they recover from surgery. I pray for Nancy that that infection would clear up in her foot. I pray for Dora and Alan Jane and Delphine. And Lord, I even pray for this goofy eye of mine that's going to get some surgery soon as well. Lord, we need you. Would you rain down your grace and mercy to help in this time of need? Lord, help us to uh, recognize the folks around us here today and love on them just like your son Jesus does. Lord, help us to uh, care for other members of the family. Help us to welcome those 
who are new here today and uh, show them that we love them in the name of Christ. We, uh, we want to invite your spirit now, Lord, to come and take charge today in your church. This is your church. And all the church family here at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. What does it mean that Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die than live without us? Something uh, to say it, but what exactly does that mean? Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die than live without us. First, it means that he always protects us. Jesus is always there He's protecting us and he's for us. Picture Jesus cheering us on. And if Jesus is for us, he asks the question, who can be against us? Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to all these things? Talking about the rest of Romans 8 for sure. Uh, If God is for us, who can be against us? Great question. No matter who... In your life, you feel like they're again you. And I suspect if you'll just pause for a moment, I think we all have people, they're not really cheering us on, okay? We all have people, they don't really like us. They're actually cheering against us. I don't know who that might be, somebody at work, somebody in your family. It might be your fears, your finances, your health. But we all have things that are against us. Listen closely. If you're a member of the adopted royal family of Jesus Christ, he's always for you. And always has been and always will. Now, I'm just telling you, if you know Jesus is for you and he's cheering you on, that changes attitudes. It really, And it's good For us just to say out loud, Jesus is always for me. It really is. It's healthy to hear yourself say, Jesus is always for me. Matter of fact, I want you to say it with me. Jesus is always for me. Now turn to your neighbor. Tell them. Go ahead. Jesus, tell them, is always. Now you tell them right back. Well, Jesus is always for me. Exactly correct. On your worst day. On your worst day, when you failed and you've been forgotten and you feel like everybody's against you, please know this, Jesus is for you. He's cheering you on. You're one of his chosen royal members of his family. He loves you. What else does it mean that Jesus would rather die than live without us. First, it means he's always for us. Second, it means that Jesus always supplies all that we need. All of our needs, everything we need, he's always supplying that. Where do you get that? Look at verse 32. What do we got going here, Chad? Here we go. Stay tuned. We'll let you know if you need to go somewhere. (laughs) Back to verse 32 in the meantime, okay? (laughs) 
is always for us. He's there supplying all that we need. Verse 32. He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God loves us so much. Jesus cares so much that he graciously provides all that we need. And you're thinking, well, is that, is that really true? I, I don't, it doesn't feel like that's true. Let me give you a few other examples. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all of your needs because he's rich. And he'll give you all that he, you need because of the glory of Christ Jesus. Psalm 37 verse 4. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Take delight. Delight yourself in the Lord and everything you need, the desires of your heart will be met. You need strength to say no to a stubborn habit. That's hard to ignore, isn't that? Jesus is going to provide all you need to get victory over the stubborn habit. Need hope for a sad, painful season of your life? Jesus will supply all you need. Need wisdom to deal with a toxic relationship, guess what? Jesus will give you the wisdom, all that you need to deal with that relationship. Now, it says, if Jesus was willing to take the hit and be nailed to the cross to take care of our greatest need, what's my greatest need? Tell me, tell me what's my greatest need. Jeff, you're a sinner, and what's your greatest need? Okay, so if he's willing to take care of our greatest need, do you think he's now going to get stingy regarding our lesser needs? That's just a logical question. Okay, He's already paid the massive price. Think of it in billions and trillions. And now we have lesser needs. Is he suddenly now going to say, no, I'm not going to take care of that. I took care of the big stuff, but now it's on you. No, no, no. It's saying he's going to supply the lesser needs as well. Jesus loves us so much. That he'd rather die than live without us. What does that mean? First of all, it means he's always for us. Second, it means that he'll supply all of our needs. Third, it means that he's interceding for us. He's standing up for us at our side, defending us from attack. Look at verse 33. Here's, here's what uh, Romans 8 says. Who will bring any charge... Against those whom God has chosen. It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that. Who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God. And is also. What does this say? Interceding for us. Okay. Let me explain something. Because you put God's word together with God's word. And suddenly you get a picture. Revelation 12.10 tells us that Satan has a full-time job. You know what Satan's full-time job? Day and night in the courtroom of heaven, Satan is accusing you and me before God Almighty. Think about it. That's all he does. Now, he's got an army down here on earth, but Revelation 12.10 tells us he's busy and he's active and he's condemning and accusing us 
Because he's watching us and we're sinning. So he's there. See? There you go. Chad lied again. Didn't tell the whole truth. I'm sure he just shouts out, Liar! Overbeak! You understand? You know? Jim Smith, he's looking at you and, and he's saying, Hey, you just uttered a four-letter word when you banged your finger with a hammer. There you are. And I'm sure he's looking at you, Jim, and going, profane, and just shout. He loves to watch us be hypocrites. It's true. You claim to be a follower of Christ. You gossip. Your attitude is awful. Your eyes, your mind's consuming a bunch of impure garbage in thousands of different ways. Satan loves to shout in the courtroom of heaven. You know what he's saying? Guilty. Guilty. You're guilty. You don't deserve eternal life. That's what's going on day and night, Revelation 12.10 says. Now here's, here's the cool part, okay? Put this with what we just read in Romans 8. And Jesus is standing right there at our side. And it says that he died for us, freed us from condemnation of sin by his shed blood. Now picture, track with me. Jesus at our side steps up. He's our lawyer. He's our advocate. And he says, excuse me, uh, looking at God the Father, your honor, uh, I paid the price for that sin. They're now free from this accusation. Is that not good stuff? I paid the penalty. And I think Jesus does a little shouting himself. You know, Satan is shouting. And now Jesus steps up and says, not guilty. I paid the price. I paid the price. They're free from condemnation. So there's this tug of war going on in heaven. Satan is shouting, condemning, accusing. And Jesus is stepping up and saying, not guilty, forgiven. We are forgiven. That's what it means. Jesus would rather die than live without us. And a part of that plan, not guilty. Now, I want to just take this one logical step. If Jesus has forgiven us, who are we not to forgive those around us who harm us? Just think about it. If, if the king of the universe steps up and says, not guilty, forgiven, as his children, we have a responsibility to do the same, to follow his lead. We forgive others because Jesus has forgiven us so much more. Do you understand? So I, I don't know who needs to hear that today. But if you're holding on to something. If you're angry and bitter. And somebody's harmed you deeply. I get it. We're not minimizing the harm. What we're saying. On the basis of what Jesus has forgiven you. Now you let them off your hook. Leave it with the Lord. Leave it with the Lord. Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die than live without us. What does that mean? First, means that Jesus is always for us. Jesus is cheering you on right now. He's on your side. Secondly, it means Jesus is going to supply all that you need. He's not talking even primarily physically. He's talking about emotional, spiritual needs, relational needs. Jesus 
will supply everything you need. Third, it means that Jesus intercedes and defends us from all the attacks of Satan and his demonic army. And fourth, it means that Christ's love is strong and lasting. It means that Jesus' love for us, who know his Son, who belong to him, it's lasting, it's enduring, it's eternal. Go back to Romans 8 with me. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Slide down to verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love, God's agape, never fails. There's no end in the love of Christ. The love of Christ Jesus endures. It goes the distance. It never withers. It never decays. Jesus' love is permanent and enduring and lasts forever. I found this quote. It's from Philip Yancey. What's so amazing about grace? Good book. I've taught it before. But here's a quote that jumped at me. Grace means there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Jesus already loves us as much as an infinite God can possibly love. That is huge. And I want you to know that is a freeing statement. Nothing you could do to make him love you more. Nothing you could do to make you love you less. He already loves you as much as an infinite, almighty, all-powerful God could ever love. Which means... Our choice every day, give me your eyes, how are you going to live? You're going to accept that love? You're going to believe that love? You're going to trust the love of Christ? Or you're going to go another direction and now it's on me? And now I have to earn it and I have to merit Christ's love and I have to work really hard to make sure other people and the Lord love me back. That's the other option. Every day, you have to choose, am I going to live my life based on the eternal, lasting, secure love that Jesus has given me, or am I going to go somewhere else? I'm an adopted member of his family. I know his love is eternal and free and secure. Will I accept that, or am I going to come up with my own agenda? And, and lots of folks... We, we, we come up with crazy things. I got to earn it. I got to work. I, I, I got to really try hard. Otherwise, I won't be loved back. Now, two ways we get off track with this. Track with me for a moment. Two ways we, we go wrong regarding the love of Christ. First um, is like the prodigal son. I would call it rebellion. We... Uh, we say, well, I know I can't work hard enough. I, I know I'm not good at performing well, so I'm just going to hide from the love of God through Christ Jesus, just like the prodigal son. 
And I'm going to attempt to find fulfillment in a life of sinfulness and foolishness in this fallen world. And I would say a large percentage of people in our world, that's the way they live. I don't don't think I can do it. I'm not even going to try. And therefore, I'm just going to go and go crazy with sin and foolishness in this fallen world. The second way we react against God's love is really more subtle. And it's, it's something that some of us have to watch out for. We go instead of rebellion, we buy into religion. I'm going to perform. I'm going to be like the older brother in the prodigal story. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to attempt to earn the love of Christ by performing and working for his love and acceptance. Does that make sense? In other words, uh, rules and rituals, and and I'm going to follow the pattern, these man-made rules and rituals, and I'm going to earn God's love for me. Here's what Ephesians 3, verses 17 and 19 says. Um, Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. I think Paul's prayer for the church at Walloon. I think it, we'll put it up here now, Dan, if we have it. It says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wow. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be Filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Jesus loves you, period. Jesus loves you for free. And his love never fails. Powerful. Conclusion. Jesus loves us so much that he'd rather die then live without us. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is always for us. He's cheering you on today. He's in your corner. Secondly, it means that Jesus supplies your every need. Everything you need is available in his glorious riches. Third, it means Jesus is interceding for us when others are attacking and accusing us, defending us, shouting, Not guilty, forgiven. Fourth, it means that Jesus' love for us is permanent and nothing, nobody, no how, no way can ever prevent the strong, enduring, lasting, permanent love that Jesus has for you and for me. Powerful, life-changing truth. Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without us. Let's pray. Would you just take a moment and invite the Lord to show you how this applies to your life? Lord, show me. How does this affect me? I'm listening.
is it possible that you've said yes to Jesus, but his love and his acceptance, his pronouncement of not guilty, forgiven, is missing from your life? Trying to earn merit, work hard, Did you know <laughs> that is for free? I guess I just want to pray over you, and I want to pray Paul's prayer for you, even right now where you're seated. This is my prayer for each of us, Lord. And I pray that you, church at Walloon, being rooted and established in love, you might have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, would you help us to just get some good glimpses of your agape? Lord, thank you that you're there for us. You supply all of our needs. You intercede and protect us from attacks. You love us strong, unconditionally, sacrificially, eternally. Lord, would you help us to get that as the foundation of who we are? And believe it and think it and make that choice to live that way daily. And it could be that you're here today or maybe you're watching online. But what we talked about here today really doesn't apply to you. You've, you've never really believed that Jesus loved you so much that he'd rather die than live without you. Which means that you're not a part of the family. He hasn't taken charge of your life. He hasn't given you his Holy Spirit to empower you to live free. And if that's you here today, today can be the day of salvation. Did you know that? Right where you're seated, right where you're watching this today, here's what you need to know. Jesus, I choose right now to believe these facts of the gospel. The gospel is facts. Jesus, you left the glory and the splendor of heaven. You took on a human body, lived a sinless life. Therefore, Jesus, I believe you alone qualify to be the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus, I believe you took my place on that cross. And I believe you shed your blood to wash and cleanse my greatest problem in life. I'm a sinner. I believe you did that for me. I, Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe you didn't stay dead. But early Sunday morning, I believe you literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. And I believe you did that for me. Those are the facts. 
And by faith right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I invite you in. Come take charge. I'm opening the door of my life. You come and be my Savior, my King. Take up residence in my life. I'm going to choose to follow you. No turning back. I need you to be for me. I need you to supply my needs. I need you to step up and defend me against attack. I need your love, strong, lasting in my life. Come take charge. And if that's you today, you, if you're watching online, you can hit that button. Let them know I need prayer and I need you to pray for me because I just invited Jesus to be my king. If you'll let us know, we'll get you some information. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you started right on this journey. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. We'll do the same with you today as well. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Romans 8. It's been a pleasure to study together and dig in to all the richness that you've given to us there. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.